Well, morning, everyone. My name's Ed. Um, what was that? Was that a practical joke on Josh? Was it an, an elaborate... You know, life is short, isn't it? Life is short. Why are we spending a few minutes listening to this big, long list of names? It's a bit crazy. Um, now, a few days ago, I was looking at the front page of the BBC website, and this headline caught my eye. We've got a spreadsheet to plan festive spending. And now, with a headline like that, you know, you know you've just got to click it, haven't you? It's just, it's like clickbait, you just kind of, it just draws you in. And this article was this, this interview with this person, and the general gist of this interview is that they were saying, you know, the cost of living crisis has got so bad that I'm so anxious about money this Christmas time, I'm just going to have to use a spreadsheet. I'm just going to have to use a spreadsheet. Now, for you, that might be a sensational bit of news. That, you know, this, this sort of shock and this kind of surprise that someone would be in such the depths of despair that they would resort to using a spreadsheet. Um, but to be honest, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, doesn't everybody? Doesn't everybody use a spreadsheet? Um, and then I thought, you know, this, if this kind of thing gets on the front page of the BBC News website, just think of the fame that could, could behold me. Um, you know, so, so I, I sort of thought, well, it would be a bit like this. And um, I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry to say, it's true, I do use a spreadsheet when cooking Christmas dinner. It's colour-coded and everything, split down into these five-minute increments. Um, and you see, for me, using spreadsheets is as normal as breathing in and out every day. Now, who, who is with me on this? Come on, someone. Hey, here we go. Good. I was a bit afraid of being on my own. There we go. But, you know, sitting here in 2022 with our, our 2022 ways of thinking, you know, starting the whole New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, the, the gripping, incredible, life-changing news of, of Jesus' life and ministry. And starting that with a, a list of 46 names seems like a pretty dull way to kick it off. You know, we, we can see genealogies a bit like we can see spreadsheets, can't we? You know, just um, a bit boring, a bit dull, a bit nerdy bit nerdy. Um, and actually, you know, if you're new to, uh, to church and faith, maybe you're joining us online today, you know, actually you're, you're in the right place because actually one of the reasons we exist is to help people find faith in Jesus. And actually we'd love to walk with you on your faith journey if that's you. But it might be, if that's you, that you listen to this and like kind of, you feel like it confirms all your worst suspicions about the Bible. That, you know, all this kind of stuff that, you know, it's all a bit obscure and it's all a bit strange. It certainly perhaps doesn't feel like a really strong, compelling start to the Christmas story. You know, let's get to the good stuff. Where's the gold, frankincense and myrrh? Where's the stable? Where's the, the shepherds? But, but here's the thing um, this morning. You know, as we, uh, as we think about the people that Matthew was writing to, he was writing to a Jewish audience. And to them, you know, starting with this genealogy was probably one of the most interesting and important ways that Matthew could have started this book. You know, they, they were used to reading genealogies in Old Testament, in the Old Testament scriptures. They were, they were a really important part of Jewish culture and everyday life. And, and um, you know, they helped communicate history. They, they helped communicate family lines. You know, what to us is just a kind of a list of difficult to pronounce uh, names. To them, it carried far more meaning and significance. You know, the fact that there were, there were real-life names and characters um, in this list, and it immediately made it clear to everybody that, that actually Matthew isn't just about to tell a fairy tale. 
He isn't just about to kind of start with, with once upon a time, but actually starts by introducing Jesus as the, the, the culmination, the sum of all history to date. Here is Jesus and here is his family tree. And to a Jewish reader, even the kind of very start would have been quite exciting. You know, it says here about the, the record, the, the genealogy of Jesus. You know, that could be translated as, another way to translate it is the book of Genesis, or the, 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 the sort of record of origins, the record of beginnings. And so people, as they were reading this, they were thinking about new beginnings. They were thinking about a new era. And Matthew kicks off, he talks about some of the big hitters um, in the Bible. He talks about Abraham, Father Abraham, the father of, of all Israel. He talks about King David. And he traces the family line all the way from these giants of the faith, all the way through to Jesus. And that would have been a really big, big deal in terms of proving where Jesus came from. But by sort of saying that actually Jesus has a standing as one of God's chosen people in the world. And right back to the book of Genesis you know, God promised to Abraham that his descendants would be a blessing to the whole world. And Matthew presents Jesus as the fulfillment of this, that Jesus would be the one. It's the heart of the Christmas story, isn't it? A blessing to the whole world. Calling Jesus a, a son of David demonstrated this kind of fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies from centuries earlier that, that the Messiah, the, the saviour of the world, would come from David's royal family line. You know, we're familiar at this Christmas time, aren't we, with Isaiah 9, the passage we, we read it last night. We're reading it probably every service so far. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And so his readers are there thinking, oh, yeah, this is something to listen to because I, I know all that stuff. That's, I'm steeped in this stuff. But here comes Jesus arriving on the scene as the, the kind of, oh, my goodness me, this is the answer. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the, the, the end of the story, the completion of the story. And so it was compelling for Jesus' readers to have this whole list of, of names, uh, for the, the, the uh, Matthew's readers, to have this kind of whole list of names at the start. But you know, for us sitting here on a slightly chilly 2022, two weeks from Christmas morning, um, actually it is compelling for us too. As we pause and as we reflect on some of these names, and you know, what is the message that, that, that Jesus wants to be communicating to us this morning through this rather bizarre passage. Well, we've got a really mixed bag of names um, in here. Um, you know, we've just finished last month, we did this series called Heroes of the Faith. And in this list, there are, there are many biblical heroes, and many that might be familiar to you. We've mentioned already uh, Abraham, mentioned Isaac, mentioned Jacob, King David, King Hezekiah, Mary and Joseph, um, sometimes with a donkey, sometimes without a donkey. But they're familiar to us, aren't they, these, uh, the, these names? And it's probably not surprising that, that these names are, oh, let's include this within the, the list of where, where Jesus uh, came from. But what's a little bit more surprising is a bunch of kind of seemingly really ordinary people. Uh, and we don't really know much about them at all. So, for example, Hezron, Ram, Nashan, and, and Kim, you know, they, they, Akim, they just seem like kind of really insignificant people. They're, they don't get much, much of a mention in the Bible. We don't know much about who they are. And yet, they had a crucial role in Jesus' family tree. And then... 
There are some people uh, in this list who are just plain evil. They're just plain nasty. Now, if you're thinking, we've heard already in our Advent Reflections morning, if you're thinking this morning about this Christmas time and the kind of slightly bizarre and strange wider family that you are going to be visiting over this Christmas time, if you think they're a bit hard work, spare a thought for Jesus. King Manasseh. He's mentioned in verse 10, and he was about as evil as relatives can get. Um, you know, he, he sacrificed children. Uh, hopefully we won't have to deal with any of that at this Christmas time. Um, he executed left, right, and center anybody who didn't agree with what he thought. Um, he, he put prophets to a particularly gruesome desk, death, which I, I'm not going to talk about examples because otherwise I'll faint on stage and it's not pretty. Um, but, you know, think of, you know... Uh, like someone with a, sitting there with a kind of a menacing laugh and stroking a white cat. You know, it's that, it's that kind of thing. Um, and actually, the only kind of thing we can take comfort from is that King Manasseh lived 700 years before Jesus. So there was no kind of nasty games of Monopoly happening at Christmas time, right? It's just, it, you know, but you can, you can picture the scene. I don't know for you, well, when you think about your difficult family, actually, King Manasseh was as, as bad as they get. And then there are four people uh, included in the list, that I think are perhaps the most surprising of all people to be in this list. There, there's Tamar, there's Rahab, there's Ruth, and there's Bathsheba. In fact, Bathsheba is not actually named in the genealogy. She's pretty much kind of included as the other woman. You know, it's like the, uh, this, is, this, is, this is the one who, you know, this is the mother, uh, Solomon's mother, who had been Uriah's wife. But why, why are these so surprising? Why are these surprising names to have in there? Well, firstly, they're all women. Uh, in this you know, patriarchal, male-dominated society, you wouldn't expect women to be included in a list like this. It was all about the men. And it's also surprising because at least three of them, in fact, maybe all of them, were, were non-Jewish. They weren't even Jewish women. You know, Matthew's writing this book, but particularly for Jews. Why on earth isn't he mentioning Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel? You know, these kind of big figures, uh, Jewish uh, women in Old Testament history. But I think the most surprising thing of all, the most extraordinary thing of all, is that actually all of these women were linked in some way with scandal. You know, we haven't got time to, to read their stories this morning. But particularly Tamar, Rahab, and Bathsheba, you know, had really rough sexual histories. You know, they were people who, whose backstories were, were ones of shame and of abuse, and particularly one of being taken advantage of by men. Ruth, was a, she was a social outcast. She had no prospects and and even kind of leaving out Bathsheba's naming and referring to her in this kind of mysterious way of whose mother had been Uriah's wife you know it's just this kind of calls to mind this kind of shocking reality of David's adultery and his murder um, that uh, uh, with and, and the um, adultery with with Bathsheba these are vulnerable women they are victims and they are unlikely heroes unlikely people to be included in this passage and actually what's amazing about these people is that we also know in their stories there's redemption. That they all come under the loving care of God as part of his story. And then of course, there's a fifth woman that's mentioned in this genealogy. Also vulnerable. Um, and also in the midst of scandal. An unmarried pregnant teenager, Mary. And we read, of whom 
was born Jesus, who is called the Messiah. You know, how on earth are these kind of broken, bottom of the pile kind of outsiders anywhere near God's plan for the world? How are they anywhere near God's, God's blueprints for kind of bringing this Jesus, the saviour of the world, to the world? And I think the message that comes across loud and clear, and it's a message that comes across to us today, and, and do, do listen to this, this is really important. Actually, the message here is this, that no one is left out of God's plan, that no one is left out of God's plan. You know, God's work in human history is not limited by, by human failure or by sin, that there's no one who is who is too broken and too messed up. There's no one who's rejected or abused or too vulnerable or sinful or dysfunctional to be used by God. And because of the grace of God, it didn't need a perfect family tree to bring the Messiah into the world. And it's really important for us to take this on board today. It doesn't take perfect human beings with perfect backgrounds and great families for God to continue working in this world today. He will carry out his purposes in this world. And through the 2,000 years that are kind of represented by just these 17 verses at the start of Matthew's gospel, God was faithfully working it all out. He was keeping his promises through generations and generations and generations of human beings who were doing a really bad job of keeping their own promises. And so for us, you know, a little reflection today. How's your life going? How's your life going at the moment? It might be, and it probably is the case, that for the vast majority of us here today, we're not kind of in the depths of despair that these kind of four and five uh, women uh, were. It might be that that's a bit extreme, but actually it may be for some of us, things today in our lives are a bit off plan. Things are not kind of working out the way in which we hope they would work out. Maybe it's our, our mental health. Maybe it's our kids. Maybe it's our marriage. Maybe it's our, our work. Maybe it's our, our money situation. Maybe it's our addictions. It's our kind of bad decisions. Maybe it's the impact of someone else's kind of dysfunctions on uh, our lives. And we have a message from God through this passage this morning. God is faithfully working out his purposes. God is faithfully working out his purposes. And just as he did that with the, in the lives of this very, very mixed bag of names, he can bring redemption in you and through you uh, in what you're facing. Uh, Deborah and I have been uh, watching uh, The Chosen. Who's been watching The Chosen? Anyone watched The Chosen? Nobody watches The Chosen. I cannot believe that. The, the Chosen is a, a multi-series, crowdfunded dramatization of the life of Jesus. And it's got these kind of Netflix-like production values. And it is extraordinarily good. And it's extraordinarily free to watch. And so I'd encourage you to Google it and to catch up with. We're now kind of get, heading into series three. And I highly recommend it. You know, if you're looking for good TV to watch at this Christmas time, you will not find it on any of the channels, channels on your TV. But you will find it if you search out um, The Chosen. bit of homework for you. But the thing that has been most impactful for me as I've kind of been watching this is, is, is kind of watching the portrayal of the people that Jesus heals and he rescues. The, the people that, that Jesus then calls out of their situations to, to follow him. And actually seeing the, 
the, the turnaround of people that, that had no hope, that were kind of in desperate situations. And their transformation into people who join Jesus and then bring hope to other people is so inspiring. It's, I mean, I don't kind of get moved to tears a lot watching TV, but um, apart from really bad Christmas films. But, uh, but actually The Chosen, I, just to be able to see it visually, to see the impact that Jesus had on people's lives. The way in which time after time, and we, we read it in our gospel accounts and our Bibles, that, that actually Jesus miraculously turns victims into ministers. And that's the story we see all the way through the Bible. You know, last night at Highgrove Carols, um, if you were here, you would have heard something of, of Roz's story. Roz is part of our, our congregation here and actually just has the most amazing story of God turning her life around. You know, from the pain of being taken advantage of, from, from having kind of suffered huge loss and kind of being tied up in a, in a fear and a sense of hopelessness. You know, she spoke of the way Jesus has helped her to find freedom to have the ability to forgive in a way that she just didn't think was possible, that her life is now completely different. It, it really is a story of brokenness into wholeness. It's a story of God turning a, a victim into a minister, someone whose story is impacting and helping other people. And you can watch her story on the Highgrove YouTube channel. It's up there now. And, and uh, it's just a short little story of, of what God's doing. And it is, it's well worth um, a watch. I feel like, you know, having talked about spreadsheets, I've been giving you homework. You know, go and watch The Chosen. Go and watch the, the um, Roz's video. But actually, that's a, that's a great thing to do as we respond today. But just finally, as I, as I finish and as we, we respond to God today, um, you know, it is amazing, isn't it, to hear wonderful stories of dramatic transformation. It's wonderful to hear stories of kind of people that have gone from darkness to light. It's wonderful to hear about miracles. But actually today, there is a message in this genealogy for you. If you're feeling a bit ordinary, if you're feeling a little bit average and a bit normal, uh, the message is this, God is using you too. God is using you too. And as we've seen in, in Jesus' family tree, there, there are a number of ancestors there who, you know, we kind of don't know much about at all. It feels like they're kind of fairly anonymous. They're, they're steady. They're reliable. They're just kind of getting on with life in an ordinary way. And they are part of God's story too. They are part of God's story too. And if you identify most with those people today, feeling a little bit anonymous, feeling a little bit kind of ordinary and just plodding on, then know this, that your faithful, obedient, steady serving of God in, in a forward direction. Actually, if you surrender that to him, if you seek to live out in obedience to God each day, that is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. And that is right at the heart of God's purposes for this world too. And so God uses all kinds of people to bring his son into the world. And he still uses all kinds of people to carry out his purposes um, today. God wants to use you. No matter which names you identify with, um, which ones you can pronounce, which ones you can't pronounce. God wants to use you whether you're a spreadsheets person or a flowers person. Um, they're not opposites, by the way. I'm just two words that came to mind. Um, God wants to use you in, in, in where you are and whatever you're going through. And so we're just going to just take a moment at this Christmas time, two weeks from Christmas, just to, to kind of surrender ourselves again to God and say, Lord, this is who I am. This is the situation I'm in. This is what I'm facing. And I want to bring it to you and know, God, that you, one, you can bring redemption into my story, but you can also use me 
despite of my story. So I'm going to encourage you to stand with me now. Why don't you stand? And um, we're going to pray. Maybe invite Tom and a team up as well. And um, We're going to respond today to, to God. And I just particularly want to pray for you this morning. If you, um, maybe you feel a little bit uh, like um, just things are a bit off plan. Things are, are not, you're a bit off the rails. Not quite sort of the way you'd ideally like them to be. Um, I just want to pray for you this morning that, that actually God would speak into your life at this Christmas time. And um, yeah, so Lord, we, we surrender to you. and We say, come Holy Spirit, have your way here. And we say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that all through history, you are faithful. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you are just the same when it comes to me. We thank you for your faithfulness. And thank you that we are part of your big story in this world, that Jesus' family tree is our family tree. And I want to pray particularly for anyone here this morning who kind of is facing the next few weeks of Christmas, actually with a little bit of like not feeling quite right about it and feeling concerned, feeling um, a bit like our oh, life's just not going the way it needs to go at the moment. I want to pray, Lord, that you would minister into the difficult situations of people's lives where there's brokenness, where there's hopelessness, even, Lord, perhaps where there's situations of abuse and harm and difficulty. Lord, I pray that you would minister this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit. We turn towards you now. Amen.